everyone and welcome back to Around the Cauldron. My name is Megan and I'm here to shed light on Wicca from a modern perspective. This podcast is produced every Monday, sometimes educational, sometimes philosophical, and always honest. So grab some coffee, pull up a seat, and join me Around the Cauldron. Hey guys, thanks for joining me for episode 12. Um, I'm sorry we didn't get to chat last week. My website was down for more than 24 hours and then magically came back to life. Even my host was like, well, um, it's like magic. We don't know what happened, but a database reset or something happened and my site came back. Um, so it's back and that's what matters. Last week we talked about tarot um, and this week we're going to talk about astrology. But before I hop into it, let me just take a second to say hello to any new listeners out there. Hi, um, I'm glad you're here. Besides the podcast, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Round the Cauldron, on Twitter at Round the Cauldron without the D, and at my website, roundthecauldron.com, where you can find show notes and links for each episode. I also have a shop where you can get a tarot reading or one of my fancy and mystical crochet items. And lastly, you can help support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron. So before we really get started here with this episode, I think it's fitting that we're talking about astrology and Mercury retrograde is going direct today, the day that I'm recording. Um, Mercury retrograde has royally screwed with every single piece of technology at work. Um, Yeah. They decided to upgrade our electronic medical record system, or EMR, um, during the middle of Mercury retrograde, and it's it was a bad idea. Let me tell you that we are doing damage control, and yeah, it it hasn't been fun. Um, but it's what's today? Wednesday. I'm recording on Wednesday, so today is March 27th. You will hear this on Monday. Anyways. Um, I want to give a shout out to Art Miyoko on Instagram, I think that's how you say it, um, for giving me the inspiration for this episode. They asked me a question about astrology, and I sort of just jumped into the rabbit hole and got lost. So, Art Miyoko, this episode is for you, Um, and I know I already answered your question through DM, but I'm going to answer it here too, just for anybody else who might not know. So Art Miyoko asked me how it was possible to have your sun sign and moon sign be the same. I had no clue because astrology is not really my strong suit and it's not something that I had a lot of knowledge about. Um, but I went digging and I was determined to help this person find an answer. Um, so it turns out that if you were born under a new moon, your sun sign and moon sign will be the same. I actually tested it out for them with their birthday and time of birth, and they were, in fact, born under a new moon. And um, you can check that out at, I think it's moongiant.com to see what the moon phase was when you were born. I'll link to it in the show notes because I don't know if moongiant.com is the actual name of the site. Uh, So there's that. Um, So since I'm a newbie at this astrology thing, I thought that I'd jump in to this episode and use my own natal chart to help me research and give me some pointers as I'm talking about it. So let's go through my natal chart first. Um, So I was born on November 8th, 
1991 at 6.50 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in Bakersfield, California. Now, that is the information that you will need to know when doing your natal chart. If you don't have your exact time of birth, um, there's several things that you will miss out on in your natal chart. That's going to be, um, you won't have aspects for your moon sign, the ascendant, the midheaven, vertex, and part of fortune. And it will also not include any of the um, house positions for any of the planets. So really quick, my planets are as follows. My sun is in Scorpio. I am a Gemini ascendant. I'm a Sagittarius moon, Sagittarius Mercury, Virgo in Venus, Scorpio in Mars, um, Jupiter in Virgo, Saturn in Aquarius, um, Uranus in Capricorn, and Neptune in Capricorn. I know I flipped those around a little bit. Um, and oh, and Pluto in Scorpio. Um, so then you have the houses, and the houses are numbered 1 through 12, and we'll go into detail um, with those in a little bit, but I have uh, the Sun, Moon, Mercury, Mars, and Pluto all in my 6th house, I have Venus in my 5th house, Jupiter in my 4th house, Saturn in my 8th house, and Uranus and Neptune in my 7th house. Um, so my 6th house, house is completely loaded. Um, so... What does all of this really mean? Um, I mean, I had done my natal chart before and like read through it, but I never really jumped into it too much to see what each planet and house and sign really stood for. Um, I always knew I was a Scorpio, but that's really about it. So we're going to go through and dissect it a little, like bit by bit. So I'm going to do um, like my chart mix in with this. I guess. Um, anyways, so the first planet is the sun. The sun's statement, sort of what the, what that planet represents is I am. Um, it represents your ego, the, the inner you, and it's the part of you that's unchanging. Um, it's the lasting force of who you are and who you will always be. So the sun represents your will and the, the sign within the sun determines how you express your will. Um, the sun sign is really the foundation for the rest of who you are. So how is this represented in my chart? Um, I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to do this for each one too, so you'll have an example. And hopefully I'm not giving away some like a super secret things about me because, well, because I don't know if I am or not. Um, but anyways. Um, so a... Scorpio Sun, the description from my natal chart says, two animals are used to represent Scorpio, the eagle and the scorpion. The eagle is capable of reaching great heights because he has mastered his lower nature and overcome his passions and the temptations of the sensual sphere. The eagle has risen above the physical world because he has regenerated himself. The scorpion, however, represents those who have not regenerated their thought and actions and are still living degenerate lives. They use their cunning and strike when least expected. These are the ones who satisfy their passions regardless of consequences. You are, in general, ambitious, efficient, courageous, resourceful, and intuitive. But you can also be jealous, sarcastic, resentful, stubborn, possessive, and vindictive. You enjoy impossible tasks. You like to work 
You like work that demands continued, determined effort and intense concentration. You are a born detective. You have a strong will and determination to accomplish anything you undertake. You possess an analytical mind, strong intuition, reasoning powers, perception, long-range planning ability, magnetism, and energy. You have very definite opinions. These opinions can be so rigid that no, ma that no amount of persuasion will make you change your mind. You make friends easily and give unwaveringly to them. In these relationships, you like to know what your friends' plans are, but because of your secretiveness, you do not necessarily want them to know what you are planning. You are capable of extreme self-sacrifice for those you love. If any of your loved ones are threatened in any way, you feel that you too are being threatened. This causes you to instinctively strike out, either verbally or physically. Because your unconscious mind is more in control than your conscious mind, you lose all sense of judgment under criticism. Under attack, you make effective use of both silence and sarcasm. Unfortunately, your sarcasm can become vindictive. You can, and will, wait a long time in order to get even. You need to learn forgiveness. So you can see, like, I'm not even halfway through reading this. Well, maybe I am, I don't know. Um, but you can really see the detail in this natal chart. And I'm going to link to... Um, link to the website where you can do this specific one. But just in this description of my sun sign, um, you can really see how everything here can lay the foundation for the rest of the planets and the rest of the signs in the planets as well as the house as well as the houses. Um, so there's a couple more paragraphs to this. I'll read them really quick. I hope you guys don't get bored of listening to me. Um, it says, you, it is usually difficult to deceive you because your intuition enables you to understand the motives of other people. You receive very strong first impressions of others, experiencing either a liking or a dislike for the person involved. You need to learn flexibility, both in thought and action. Once your course of action is set, it is difficult for you to change. Trivial things bore you, and you would rather go deep, rather, and you would go, rather go deep than broad. The more intense, the better. In whatever you do, you want to be completely engrossed. Half-hearted measures are not for you. <laughs> and I think that's probably why I am reading this uh, natal chart to you guys, because I want you to really have an example of what this is going to look like for you when and if you decide to do yours. It says you have the tendency to do, you have the tendency to do things to extremes, either all in or nothing. You have to get to the bottom of whatever it is that interests you. You have to know everything, yet you remain mysterious and secretive. Although it may not appear so, there are powerful emotions and desires at work within you, underneath the surface. This power is one reason for your great endurance. Sometimes in your battles, you trample on others in the process. This is why you are sometimes classified as either a great saint or a great sinner. You regard yourself as your own judge, jury, and executioner, and punish yourself unnecessarily at times. You are self-sufficient, but not necessarily self-assured. You, are, you rarely actively seek applause or the limelight. You are generally healthy, but can be inclined to overindulgence in food, drugs, sex, or alcohol. In matters of love, you are loyal, affectionate, and demonstrative, and perhaps possessive and controlling. You are happiest and most fulfilled with one partner with whom they can combine emotional and sexual love. That was really long. I'm sorry. But you can really see in the natal chart the the long description that you get from your sun sign is really going to set up the rest of your chart for you. Because like I said earlier, the sun sign is the foundation 
of the rest of your chart and it can partially be like a filter for how the other signs in the other planets and houses play into your personality and who you are. Now the rising sign or ascendant is the image that we project. Um, it's the impression that we make on others and the lasting effect we have on the environment. Um, it's often described as sort of like the mask that we wear, especially around a stranger or anybody who we aren't really comfortable with. Um, the planet that rules the rising sign is said to be the chart ruler. This means that every planet and sign in your natal chart is filtered through the lens of the rising sign or ruling planet. Some people believe that the rising sign is the way society forces us to portray ourselves and that we might even be able to trace the rising sign back to a parent or a caregiver. Um, and sometimes the rising sign of the child will match the dominant sign of a parent or caregiver. So for me, for me, my rising sign is in Gemini and my report says that I tend to be friendly, communicative, flexible, indecisive, unsure, liking to do two or more things at once, witty, clever, very active mentally, high strung, temperamental, nervous or anxious, talkative, superficial, and always ready for something different. Holy cow, that's a lot of descriptive words. Um, but it makes a lot of sense with my mental illness issues, with my anxiety and depression. Um, my brain sort of never turns off, ever. It's really frustrating sometimes. Um, but yeah, it says there may be two distinct sides to you as a Gemini represents the twins. Um, you have a strong need to communicate what you already know and to learn more. You enjoy reading and traveling as they both give plenty of scope for picking up new knowledge. Guys, that's why I do this podcast, okay? This is why I'm here. Um, it says you need variety and can be the jack of all trades and the master of none. You tend to go wide for breadth, not depth, which is strange because my sun sign says the opposite. And I feel like they sort of balance each other out because I, I have both. Sometimes I just want to look at the surface and know just a little bit about what it is. And sometimes I just want to dive head first and learn all the details of everything that there is to know about whatever I'm learning about. Um, it says you may appear confident, but you can lack self-confidence and inner sureness. You love to talk both with your mouth as well as your hands. And I'm sitting here talking to a microphone, moving my hands about like a crazy person because that's just how I talk. It's just how I talk. One of these days I'll do like a live stream where I'm live streaming a podcast episode and you can see how much I talk with my hands. I'm sure you might even hear my hands like clap together sometimes or move or something. <laughs> um, it says the spiritual lesson that I need to learn is control, um, learn to control and not scatter energies and to prioritize. So basically rein in my brain and focus on one thing at a time and not spread myself too thin. Oh, that hits home really bad. <laughs> uh, so the next planet is the moon. The moon's statement is, I feel. It rules over emotional nature and instinctive reason. The moon sign is the part of you that can't always be seen by those around you. And it, um, it governs your emotional responses based on anything that you've experienced in your past and any habit patterns you've developed. Um, it isn't your response to something after the fact. It's not how you respond after you've had time to sit and think about 
well, why, like, who, what, when, where, why. Um, the moon is about your immediate emotional reaction. When you've had no time to think things through and you just, it's, it's your, your first reaction. Um, so the moon in your chart changes, changes your sun sign. Um, it brings in new forces, motivations, and spiritual elements to the character of your sun sign. Um, the moon is also seen as a feminine energy and symbol of fertility. Um, I don't really know why, but whatever. Um, that's not important to me. Um, it does say that the sign that's in your moon can give insight into your relationship with your mother or with women in general. Again, not sure how I feel about that. Not sure how to interpret that. So I'm just going to throw it off the table because it's not important to me because I have a good relationship with my mom. Um, so my moon is in Sagittarius. Um, and it says... You are independent, outspoken, open, generous, enthusiastic, idealistic, inspired, and optimistic, and these qualities attract many friends and acquaintances. You seem to thrive on travel, sociability, fellowship, and expressing your opinions to whomever will listen. Hello, I'm here and I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> In addition, you are adventurous, playful, freedom-loving, and always ready for a good time. You rarely allow difficulties to keep you down, for no matter how bleak the past or present, you always expect a better, brighter future. I don't know if I'm that optimistic. Um, I like to think I would be. It says, in fact, you are uncomfortable with your own or other people's problems and emotional pain. Probably been to therapy for something like that. It says, you often try to cheer up or offer philosophical advice to those who are hurting, but unwittingly, you avoid or ignore the emotions involved. Friendship means a great deal to you, perhaps even more than love or romance. For you to be happy, your mate must be your best friend and encourage your aspirations or ideals. You also need a great deal of emotional freedom and mobility. On the negative side, you may be rather intolerant, closed-minded, dogmatic, arrogant, non-objective, risk-taking, or possess a holier-than-thou attitude. I don't think I possess any of those qualities. I mean, I might be arrogant sometimes, um, but I don't like to take risks, and I'm not close-minded, like, uh, <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's move on to the next planet. I hope you guys are enjoying, or at least finding helpful, the fact that I am reading my chart along with the description of, um, the the meaning of the planets and how the signs fit into the planet um, and giving my commentary because I think it's really good to be candid about that and to know that um, even though astrology is used sort of as a divin divinatory method for personality, it's not 100% just like the rest of divination and your, your astrological chart does not make you who you are. It just doesn't. Like, this is all, this is great, and it makes a lot of sense, but just because your chart says something doesn't mean that's how it's going to be. Because, I mean, right, right here, right here, my moon sign says, on the negative side, I might be intolerant, closed-minded, dogmatic, arrogant, non-objective, risk-taking, or possess a holier-than-thou attitude. That's not how I see myself, and I would hope that's not how other people see me. So 
So just bear that in mind when you go through and do your own chart too, okay? So let's move on to the, the next planet. The next planet is Mercury. And Mercury's statement is, I think. Mercury is a planet that rules intelligence and communication. Um, it governs our rational and intellectual thinking, our reason, perception, memory, speaking, and writing. Um, it's symbolic of the childlike curiosity that really drives your urge to learn, analyze, and reason. Some positive manifestations of Mercury can include clever speech, persuasiveness, public speaking, um, eloquence, which I don't have any of those, hence the reason why most of my episodes are like pre-scripted a little bit, because my brain moves faster than my mouth, my mouth can't keep up. Anyways, the more negative manifestations of Mercury can include restlessness, cynicism, sarcasm, um, and an argumentative nature. The sign in Mercury in your chart shows your communication style and preferences in learning. So I feel like just based on that, I ha might have more of like negative aspects of Mercury. But anyways, let's see what my Mercury says. Because my Mercury is in Sagittarius. It says, you possess idealism, vision, and foresight. Your mind is often occupied with big ideas, plans, and goals for the future. I would hope so. I've got goals. Uh, it says you are interested in what is possible and what is on the horizon rather than what has already been done. Um, subjects like philosophy, religion, politics, or education interest you, and you are more concerned with theories, abstractions, and concepts than with specific applications. You're not inclined to focus on any one practical concrete area. You don't particularly like details and may find it difficult to concentrate long enough to carry your ideas through to completion. It says you seek mental freedom, yet your thoughts are usually along traditional lines. I disagree. Um, having a gambling instinct, you may enjoy gambling, gambling, speculative enterprises, and new ventures. Again, I disagree. I don't like to take risks, and gambling is a humongous risk. Um, it says you are forward, blunt, and direct in speech, and you always speak your mind. Yeah. Yeah. My dad has gotten me in trouble before. Um... People who know you know that you don't beat around the bush. You are apt to say the first thing that pops into your head. Thus, you have to learn to control your tongue, develop tact, and to think before speaking. Not good at that either. <laughs> Business, advertising, and promotion might be good career areas for you. You have a keen mind and are impulsive and versatile. You have a tendency to study several, several similar subjects, to have more than one job, and have several projects going all at the same time. You tend to want to keep on the move, traveling in order to gain experience, knowledge, and wisdom. Eh. Some of that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. Anyways. The next planet is Venus. Now, we all know Venus, the Roman goddess of love, with her Greek counterpart being Aphrodite. Love and beauty and pleasure. Well, that's, exact, that's exactly what the planet Venus stands for in your natal chart. So Venus's statement is, I love. It's the planet that rules love, pleasure, beauty, um, all things like sex appeal, love affairs, affections, harmony, and friendship. Um, and since it's the planet of pleasure, it also defines the things that you're drawn to, um, as well as how you might actually spend your money, supposedly. Um, it can answer questions like, 
What kind of lovers do you attract? Are you a flirt? Where do your creative talents lie? Um, it can also give insight into your attitude towards money, personal possessions, and aesthetic values. Venus also never travels far from the sun, so it's either always in your sun sign or in one of the adjacent signs. Some good aspects of Venus are charm, diplomacy, and tact. Some negative aspects of Venus include jealousy, envy, and unfaithfulness. So my Venus is in Virgo. It's in Virgo. And it says, I hope you guys don't mind me reading this. Um, if you do, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I think it's good for me to go through and read these because it, it gives you some insight into what this is all going to sound like. And yeah, anyways, um, my Venus is in Virgo. It says, if you have Venus in Virgo, you are quietly devoted and faithful to your loved ones and often become a kind of servant to your love partner. You are more comfortable showing love for someone by doing something for them, making something for them, or simply being there for them rather than telling them so in a romantic sort of way. You are somewhat timid about expressing too much sentiment or emotion. You may lack confidence in your own attractiveness and ability to draw love to yourself. This could create doubt of your own worthiness to receive love and appreciation. There is a strong tendency to be very critical of the partner and to expect perfection. Marriage may be delayed due to the desire to find that perfect partner, which does not exist. You desire everything to be clean and orderly around you, and a tendency to criticize and nag can be overcome by learning how to serve others in a simple way. You are able to be kind, tender, and sympathetic, thus you may excel at nursing. So most of this, for me, is like hitting the nail on the head. That's me. <laughs> um, so a little background about myself. When I graduated high school, I was going to, um, um, oh snap, Cal State Bakersfield um, to be a nurse. But then life happened and I moved away to another state and then I moved back to California and then I got pregnant and just life got in the way. Anyways, um, so I still work in the medical field. It's just not as a nurse, which is fine. Um, so the next statement here is I act, um, I act, and this is, this is Mars. Um, it's the exact opposite of Venus. Mars is conflict and aggression. Um, it's the, the planet of physical energy and governs your sex drive, forcefulness, and aggression. Some of the associations of Mars include your desires and aspirations for emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual things that stimulate activity. Mars is really, it's the passion behind the action, and it shows your ability to turn ideas into action. Uh, Mars in your natal chart indicates your vitality, energy level, and style of action, and it represents your human will, your initiative, and can give a healthy dose of assertiveness and ambition, but it can also make you prone to anger, violence, and impulsive behavior. So, not surprisingly, my Mars is in Scorpio. Um, it says I'm extremely strong-willed and pursue my goals and desires with passionate dedication and determination. I says I am capable of total concentration and tremendous discipline, and I am very difficult to influence once my mind is made up. Uh, I disagree with that. Uh, it says when you want something, you can be very one-sided and almost obsessed with it. You tend to be secretive and you do not want others to know what your plans are. 
You tend to be instinctive, perceptive, determined, strong-willed, stubborn, and magnetic. You have deep emotions and may occasionally show a primitive side. You need to learn self-discipline or your desire nature will rule your life, probably causing great sorrow in the end. You must learn to control your jealousy and possessiveness in matters of love. A certain amount of detachment in relationships would probably be good, and this, of course, would include um, your tendency to treat loved ones as possessions. You are very forceful in a quiet and subtle way, and others may have difficulty in seeing or understanding your motives. You can manipulate people in a way that is not obvious to them or others. Direct confrontation with others is not your preferred style. You like operating behind the scenes. In any case, you are a, you are a formidable opponent when riled. I agree with a lot of that, I guess. Um, I, I like to think I'm pretty strong-willed and I can concentrate on the things that I want. Um, I, I have been working on my self-discipline. <laughs> um, but in the matter of, like, jealousy and possessiveness, it used to be really bad when I was a teenager, but I have grown out of it. Well, not necessarily grown out of it. I've just learned healthy ways to deal with it because it's a part of me. Um, it's I just had to accept that sometimes that's how I was going to feel, even if it was not a rational thought that was crossing my mind. So the next planet is Jupiter. Um, Jupiter's statement is, I grow. It is a planet of optimism and good luck. It brings joy into life as well as abundance, and it signifies knowledge, confidence, charity, and honesty. Jupiter's knowledge is philosophical and philosophical as opposed to Mercury's everyday cleverness. Jupiter is the search for truth and meaning in life. Um, it represents law, philosophy, religion, metaphysics, and education. It encompasses the urge for self-improvement and urges you to go towards exploration. Jupiter in your chart shows where you might be likely to receive financial and material benefit as well as where you are most generous. Jupiter's energy can manifest as self-righteousness, exaggeration, overindulgence, and bigotry. However, even when um, negatively positioned, Jupiter, Jupiter is protective and beneficial because even the negative situations are a learning opportunity. So my Jupiter... Oh, I lost my spots. My Jupiter is in Virgo, and it says... You have a cautious, intellectual, analytical, and practical nature with an uncanny ability to sift the wheat from the chaff and determine the essential from the non-essential and the truth from the fiction. Your judgment is usually ex excellent, and this helps bring success in business or work in general. You have a strong desire to expand your field of knowledge and to develop technical skill. On the negative side, you can at times be cynical, yes I can, carping, critical, and mistrusting of others. Yes, I can. Uh, says there can be times when you get lost in the details and lose the bigger picture, and there may be... <laughs> where does that even come from? There may be a dislike for exercise? Who likes to exercise? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, but apparently my Jupiter being in Virgo says that um, I'm not going to like exercising, which, I mean, it's true. I don't really like exercising, but whatever. Um, the next planet is Saturn. Saturn's statement is, I achieve. Saturn is the law of boundaries and limits set by society or karma. Um, astrologers of the past believed that Saturn in the chart was a bad omen that indicated misfortune and misery. 
when Venus wished for love, Saturn denied her. When Jupiter promised good fortune, Saturn delayed it. We, we know now that even though our ambitions and desires might be delayed by Saturn, it really pushes us to keep going and move forward towards our goals. Saturn governs our ambition, career, authority, and conforming social structures. It really shows your sense of duty and responsibility. It is, it is cold and serious. The placement of Saturn in your chart determines the area where you have lessons that still need to be learned. At its best, Saturn endows organization and order. At its worst, Saturn's energy is manifested as selfishness. The sign of Saturn also gives clues to the kind of work that someone is suited for and what kind of career they are likely to pursue. So my Saturn is in Aquarius, and my chart tells me that I possess practical common sense, self-discipline, and inner sources of strength which provide stamina. Although human in Although humane in nature with a friendly and sympathetic disposition, you may have difficulty in understanding other people's goals. You need to learn tolerance for other people and must develop forgiveness. That's the second time I've seen that in my chart. <laughs> uh, you have the ability to exercise a system, organization, discipline, and tact in unusual and non-traditional ways. You can think ahead and plan things with an inventive flair. Um, seeing things in a whole new way is one of your strengths. Your tendency is to be serious, impersonal, detached, and scientific. On the negative side, you can be opinionated, vindictive, cold, and uncaring, with a tendency to get quite aggravated if your plans are met with opposition. I think this is true for a lot of my personality, I guess. Um, I mean, I can be serious and scientific. Um... I am also a pretty opinionated person, 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 and I don't like it when people don't like my plans. I don't like it when things don't go my way. I always thought that was just who I am. Yeah, maybe it is who I am. Um, so the next planet is Uranus. Uranus's statement is, I evolve. It represents your unconscious urge to know your true self, to know who you really are. It symbolizes sudden moments of insight, revelation, and random spurts of creativity. And usually the energy of Uranus is described as sudden and rash, often bringing with it shock and disruption. Um, it's that moment when new, seemingly random ideas really break into your normal thought process. And, a, and it's spur a moment when you break through societal norms or um, things that have always been done a certain way because of tradition. It, it speeds up the mind and seeks to find alternatives to the common traditional ways of doing things. It's literally a perfect representation of being true to yourself because it is the only planet that spins on its side. At best, Uranus encourages originality, versatility, and independence. At worst, it encourages eccentricity, perversion, and rebellion. Uranus demands freedom. So my Uranus is in Capricorn, and um, this description is super, super long, so I'm only going to read part of it, um, because yeah, it's really long. Um, or you know what, I might read the whole thing, because I think it might apply to some people that listen, because people, people born between February 1988 and January of 1996 will have their Uranus in Capricorn as well, because it takes that long for Uranus to transition between signs. 
So it's interesting, especially when we get to Pluto. Um, anyway, my chart says Uranus and Capricorn is ambitious and enterprising. They can be very serious-minded with a strong sense of responsibility. Their original business ideas will bring them success, especially when they work with electrical or aerial fields. They can also be erratic or eccentric. They have a strong, stubborn streak, and they may be quarrelsome. They may suffer great sorrow and trouble if they are not cautious. They are prone to sudden changes in employment and their surroundings. Uranus and Capricorn can be restless or impulsive. They may act before they think it through. They can be stubborn, eccentric, and radical. And they are good at balancing ambition, independence, and their intellectual abilities. They are not afraid of challenges. They are tolerant of differences in people, and they have no problem treating them all equally. They are even-tempered. Uranus in Capricorn is responsible and is capable, capable of handling power with ease. They are good people to hold a job, meeting the trust of the public. They have the talent to see the coming trends long in advance. They are not afraid to change procedures in order to achieve their goals, and they are logical and have a great mind. They may be excellent politicians or business leaders. They will be capable of accomplishing great things for mankind and may make great material progress. Uranus and Capricorn may come across as ultra-conservative or as very reactionary. They are accepting of policies that are made to keep society safe and secure. They like things to be structured carefully with a conservative feel to them, though they are willing to change from traditions. So the combination of Uranus and Capricorn is in many ways a contradiction. The planet of revolution and radical change lies in the most traditional and conservative of all the signs. So there's a definite tension here in this clash of opposing forces, which may manifest in the psyche of the individual. However, as with all paradoxes, there is a middle ground and a solution in that change, when well thought out and properly structured and grounded, can be accepted as a positive and regenerating and ultimately necessary force. People with Uranus and Capricorn will want to overhaul traditional structures in society and business and commerce, yet they will be respectful of the past and all that is owed to it. Instead of tearing down, the natural influence of Uranus for change will be tempered and it will be an attitude of practical and accountable and necessary change. In many ways, this is a powerful combination because it speaks of an individual who believes in change not for change's sake, but change because it is ultimately long overdue and of benefit for all concerned. With the planet lying in Capricorn, any change will have to be well thought out and long-lasting and above all, practical and beneficial. People with Uranus and Capricorn may be the kind of individual brought into um, traditional business which is no longer profitable, who will introduce modern practices, new technology, and streamlined methods to once again put the business on a profitable footing. People with Uranus and Capricorn may also advocate the introduction of morality in business rather than the pure pursuit of profit at all costs. A good balancing of the Uranus and Capricorn forces would be, for example, a company or person that is successful but donates large chunks of their profit to worthy causes. So the next planet is Neptune. Um, Neptune's statement is, I dream. It, rep it represents the things that aren't quite what they appear. Um, while Uranus is about the insight into reality, Neptune is quite the opposite. It represents our urge to lose ourselves in other realms of being. It's the planet of imagination, creativity, confusion, illusion, and unreality. It's also associated with movies, acting, and compassion. <laughs> it can indicate mystical visions of the divine or spiritual healing and service to others. It can also negatively indicate becoming lost in a world of fantasy and dreams. 
A negatively positioned Neptune in the natal chart can indicate a tendency to escape reality. The house and sign the house and sign will indicate whether it be through mind-altering drugs and alcohol, daydreaming, sexual addiction, cult worship, psychosis, potential suicide, or others. At, at its best, um, Neptune's energy inspires marvelous art, music, theater, dance, poetry, and film. Um, above all, Neptune represents the intangible and makes it very real. So my Neptune is also in Capricorn for the same reason as Uranus. Neptune was in Capricorn from 1984 to 1998. And now this description is also a little bit long as well. I think probably because it spans, just like Capricorn, um, a longer longer time frame. Um, it says the Neptune in Capricorn is reserved and refined, especially in areas related to control, power, fame, and success. They dream of wealth and power, even if they don't quite know how to attain it. They can use their imagination to put just about any idea to practical use and turn it into money. Neptune in Capricorn is serious and likes to think things over. They have the ability to concentrate on anything that happens, so they can solve any problems that occur. The detail work is something they usually excel at. On the other hand, they may tend towards melancholy, secrets, and deceit. When they get this way, they want to shut themselves away from the world. Neptune and Capricorn may be a bit conservative and traditional. They reflect on spiritual matters and are inspired by the great masters of art, music, and literature. Many become cynics or critics, and they may be accused of not having enough compassion. Neptune and Capricorn excels at organization and bureaucracy, and they are conscious of status. They like to be in authority, and their only problem is getting reality to work as they think it should. They may envision a system that runs smoothly, um, is responsive to the needs of all those involved, and that promotes on merit. It can be frustrating for them to deal with the harsh reality instead. Can I say millennials, anybody? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to get into that right now. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so finally, the last planet is Pluto. Pluto's statement is, I am power. It represents the urge to transform repressed ego desire energies into group desire energies in order to live out your role in society's evolution. It represents sexuality, the act, not the desire, obsessive desires, power, transformation, and the ingredients of great wealth. Pluto rules over drastic changes that bring upheaval into your life. Since it is the slowest moving planet, an entire generation shares the same sign in Pluto. Drastic and permanent changes in society can be linked to Pluto's position in the stars. Pluto will transform those things in your life that require regeneration, whether you desire it or not. Sorry if you can hear my cat. I'm recording in my daughter's room and I got the door closed and my cat likes to come in here and try to play with the hamster. Um, anyways. Um, it says you may experience dramatic crises or have to endure terrible suffering where Pluto is involved in your chart but for the purpose of healing. Pluto tears down only to transform and regenerate what has been destroyed. Pluto is associated with recklessness, mental obsession and compulsion, emotional resistance, and overall transcendence. It's also associated with unsolved mysteries, secrets, and taboos. So if you're anywhere near my age, I'm 27 at the time of recording this episode, you're also going to have your Pluto in Scorpio. So, I, th I found this description um, on a different website because the needle charts 
generator thing that I was using didn't have one for Scorpio. Um, probably because it was it's a large time frame. Anyways, it says Scorpio is one of the only signs which we can be confident that we have seen Pluto move through twice. Pluto passed through Scorpio in 1746, leaving it in 1762, and it also moved through it again in the late 20th century, entering in 1983 and leaving again in 1995. Because of this, Scorpio is a sign that we know much more about Pluto's behavior in compared to other signs. Pluto is also the planet that rules the sign of Scorpio, meaning that they have many innate characteristics in common. The periods when Pluto was in Scorpio amplify the inherent characteristics of both the planet and the sign. So people born while Pluto was in Scorpio are highly intelligent and driven by problem-solving and puzzle-solving urges. urges. Um, the period from 1746 to 1762 was actually the height of the scientific revolution and the Enlightenment, when science and philosophy were at an all-time high level of importance all over Europe and the Americas. In the second Scorpio period, we've had the opportunity to study. We saw technology continue to expand. By the time people born in this time reached teenage and young adult ages, computers, the internet, and smartphones were ubiquitous. People born in this time are even more adept at using technology for learning and exploring than the people born in the period just before, who mostly took advantage of technology's ability to connect people in a social way. If you were born when Pluto was in Scorpio, you probably have a very skeptical, perhaps even cynical view of the world because you've been exposed to so much more of it than the previous generations. It's very hard to surprise you, and you take most new information in stride, seamlessly integrating it into your understanding of the world without difficulty. People of this generation are often criticized for being antisocial, especially compared to the people born in the 10 years before. The truth is, you're just a lot more skeptical skeptical about people than your older sisters and brothers. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to focus on information and ideas over relationships as long as you can find a balance that's healthy for you. So that's it for the planets and my natal chart breakdown where the planets are concerned. The next thing that we're going to jump into is the houses. And I was really confused about um, what the houses mean. So I'm going to try to explain it in a way that makes it easier to understand. Um, and honestly, sometimes it still confuses me. So the zodiac wheel is based on the sun's apparent yearly rotation around our Earth, while the wheel of houses is based on our Earth's 24-hour rotation on its own axis. The two wheels join together at points derived by calculations involving your exact birth time and astronomical birth coordinates. Then, the planets are described in two ways, as being in a zodiac sign and as also being in a house. For example, Two people may both have a Libra sun sign, so one may have the Libra sun in his 12th house, while the other may have his Libra sun in his first house. This could make for two very different types of people. The 12 houses of astrology are symbolic of um, all of the departments that make up human life. So the planets and zodiac signs will manifest themselves most strongly in the sphere of life represented by the house in which they fall, on, fall in in your chart. So the houses are not energies like the elements or planets, nor do they color the expression of energies like the zodiac signs do. The houses are where these energies are most likely to manifest. The houses are the fields of experience, not the experience themselves. And as we go through these, you'll notice how the order of the houses follows um, the developmental path of a human's life. This is going to be from the original imp impulse of individual being, the first house, to learning what is mine and how to use what one owns, which is the second house, 
to learning how to communicate within the limitations set by our environment, which is the third house, etc., etc. Um, the most important houses are the first, fourth, seventh, and tenth houses. These are called the angular houses because their cusps coincide with four special angles. Planets in the angular house will influence you the most. So if a house has no planets occupying it, it's called an empty house, that doesn't mean one doesn't have a life in the area represented by the house. Instead, you look to the planet ruling the sign on the cusp for clues to the matters of the house. It may mean, however, that one doesn't put a lot of time and energy into the matters of the empty house. We tend to put the most focus on the matters of our houses that have planets, especially if there are multiple planets in a house. A loaded house's matters are very consuming and important. Um, remember back from the beginning of this when I described my houses? Yeah, I have like five or six planets in the sixth house. Yeah, so let's go through and I'm not going to read what each um, planet says for, for the houses just because this episode is already going on an hour. Um, I think what I'm just going to do instead is post a link in the description to a download of the PDF um, of my natal chart. Maybe block out some of the information. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Um, but I don't want to make this episode too long because then you'll just get really bored of me. <laughs> um, so the first house is the house of self. And um, the typical ruler of this house is Mars. This includes your self-awareness, physical body, personality, etc. Um, planets in this house will greatly influence your personality and how others perceive you. I have no planets in this house. So the second house um, is, it refers to your own money and possessions, um, what you value, what your hidden talents are, your sense of self-worth, self-esteem. Um, so, I mean, obviously, then it's ruled by Venus. Um, <laughs> and, and in this one, possessions include anything that a person owns, um, except the house or the home, because that's ruled by another house. Um, so things like cars, furniture, clothing, movable property, investments, securities, that sort of thing. Um, the second house specifies how you gain and spend your own money as opposed to others' money and your attitude towards wealth and material possessions and your potential for accumulating it um, for them. I also have no planets in this house. So the third house is about communication, um, which by extension includes one's immediate environment, siblings, neighbors, short journeys, all forms of transportation. The third house also includes the intellect, the lower mind, um, so details and small bits of information, as opposed to the higher mind, which is in the ninth house. Um, thinking patterns and early education. Communication includes messages, deliveries, gossip, phone calls, visits, reading, and writing. I have no planets in this house, um, and the third house is ruled by Mercury, if you have no planets in this house. Um, so the fourth house, one of the important ones, is the house of hearth and home, and it is typically ruled by the moon. So the fourth house refers to the home and everything associated with it, uh, both the childhood home and the current home, family, land, personal foundations, your roots. Astrologers are divided over whether this house is associated with one's mother or father. What is clear is that a person's upbringing is associated with this house. On a deeper level, the fourth house is the base of consciousness or the center of our con concrete existence. The, the cusp of the fourth house, fourth house is the IC, the lowest point in the chart, representative of things below the surface of Earth. 
Due to that, the fourth house was believed to rule the conditions at the end of life and graves. As the root or base of your real self, the fourth, fourth house rules where you go when you die, but also where you came from. For those who believe in reincarnation, the fourth house would give clues to your karmic lesson for this lifetime. It shows what karmic, karmic, it shows what karmic baggage you brought with you into this life. Even if you don't believe in reincarnation, you're likely to be surprised by what you find in your fourth house, for it may move your soul. Any planets in the fourth house um, affect your home life, your emotions, your subconscious, and possibly your relationships with your parents. So I have Jupiter in this house. So the fifth house um, is typically ruled by the sun, and it refers to children, creativity, the pursuit of pleasure... Um, personal interests, love affairs, sports, hobbies, speculation, risk-taking, teaching, drama, creative self-expression, love, given, gambling. Um, the fifth house is all about being um, yourself and enjoying it. Um, so romance, dating, love affairs, and sexual relationships are ruled by this fifth house, yet marriage is assigned to the seventh. Why? Because until very recently, marriage was not entered into for pleasure, for love, nor for personal fulfillment. Marriage was hardly ever an Marriage was hardly even entered into by choice, but rather for the purpose of raising kids to preserve the values of a particular culture or religion. Um, and these marriages were most often arranged according to class and financial status, a partnership befitting the seventh house. So nowadays it's common to marry for love, uh, but to avoid confusion. Remember, affairs of the heart are in the fifth house, but cooperative partnerships are in the seventh. So with this one, I have a Venus in my house. Um, so the sixth house is normally ruled by Mercury, if you don't have any planets in this house. It refers to daily work, service, diet, health, and physical sickness, physical ability to work, employees. Um, it includes volunteer labor, volunteer labor, civil service work, caretaking, and mundane daily tasks. The sixth house really involves the quality of your work, the quality of the jobs you perform, as opposed to an actual career, which is represented by the tenth house. Um, daily mundane tasks include personal hygiene and our method of responding to everyday crises. Um, so this is my loaded house. If you remember from a few minutes ago, that means that I might place a lot of importance on the experience related to this house. The planets that I have in this house are the Sun, the Moon, Mercury, Mars, and Pluto. So the seventh house is about relationships and it's ruled by Venus. It's sometimes referred to as the house of marriage, but it encompasses all one-to-one -one relationships, whether it be marriage, business partnerships, contracts, cooperative relationships, um, also divorce, separations, enemies, lawsuits, that sort of thing. Um, so we talked about this a second ago, too. The difference between the love affairs of the fifth house and the love relationships of the seventh is that the seventh house refers to more permanently binding relationships, whereas the fifth house refers to affairs that may be temporary. When the fifth house affair progresses into a serious relationship, we can say that that relationship has moved into the seventh house. Seventh house relationships are about cooperation and sharing, um, and they generally serve some functional purpose in the larger social community, um, like a marriage. So it's different from a fifth house love affair, whose only qualification is that sort of butterflies in the stomach feeling. The seventh house includes the way you relate to those closest to you. Um, planets in this house will influence your manner of will influence your manner of relating. 
um, they also give clues to issues that arise in your relationships. So um, in the seventh house, I have Uranus and Neptune. The eighth house is typically ruled by Pluto. Um, simply put, it's the polar opposite of the second house. Whereas the second house rules your own individual possessions, the eighth house rules what a relationship owns, like joint finances. Um, so the eighth house is one of the most misunderstood houses. And it's probably because the things represented by the eighth house seem to have nothing in common with each other or that they seem to be negative. This house governs death, regeneration, taxes, inheritance, wills, legacies, um, sex, latent occultability, joint resources, your partner's money and possessions, spouse's money, bankruptcy, losses, yada yada. You get it. Um, so on a positive note, this house is about transformation and healing. But transformation and healing require some type of death, loss, or injury first. This house rules the, those processes and things by which we transform and become more powerful. Yes, this also includes the act of sex. Um, so I have Saturn in the 8th house. Now the ninth house um, is typically ruled by Jupiter. It refers to philosophy, religion, law, learning, higher education, ethics, morals, travel, spiritual urges, um, books, publishing. Uh, it's the house that it's the house of big thoughts and big ideas. Ninth house understanding is more complex than third house knowledge. The act of knowing belongs to the third house because it implies simply the direct contact of a person with something in his environment. Understanding involves the, sy the synthesis of known data. So while the third house refers to an in while the third house refers to an individual's need to understand his close and personal environment, the ninth house is an area in which one seeks to discover the significance of larger fields of social existence, which one may not experience directly, but which um, his mind may explore through the use of analogy, generalization, and abstraction. The third and ninth houses symbolize the, the two polarities of the human mind, the concrete and the abstract. So the ninth house includes experiences that we encounter when we search for the meaning of things. Whatever expands your field of activity or the scope of your mind. Um, long journeys, contact with other cultures, dreams, and even experiences with fortune tellers. Um, I have no planets in this house. So the tenth house um, is typically ruled by Saturn. It's the house of status, um, honor, community power, prestige reputation and professional career in our society this includes financial success um, but only as it relates to community power and prestige it's not about gaining material stuff um, like the second house the tenth house wants success for the sake of honor and social status this house includes social foundations um, recognition personal achievement sense of duty um, and politicians this house encompasses the most public areas of one's life and the career that you grow into as opposed to daily work and odd jobs ruled by the sixth house. As with the fourth house, astrologers are divided over whether the tenth house rules one's mother or father. Those that say the fourth house rules the mother say the tenth house rules the father, and vice versa. What's clear is that the fourth house rules the nurturing, homebody parent, while the tenth house rules the public, success-focused parent. Uh, success-focused parent. So in traditional senses, it would be the parent who wears the pants. 
Um, as with the other angular houses, any planets in this house are very important. Planets in the 10th house, um, the sign on the cusp of the 10th house, and its ruling planet will greatly influence your career and your general reputation in public. I have no planets in this house either. The 11th house is ruled by Uranus, um, and it is the house of community, large groups, and friends. It refers to membership, hopes, goals, ambitions, social groups, um, humanitarian interests. It also refers to self-realization, liberty, legislation, and regulation. I have no planets in this house either. So the last one is the 12th house, and it is typically ruled by Neptune. Um, according to most of the sources, it's probably the most misunderstood house of all. Um, it refers to the subconscious, so the hidden self that exists apart from our physical everyday reality. This includes the unconscious mind, the subconscious memory, subconscious habit patterns, mental illness, karmic debts, self-deception, spiritual realization, um, limitation, frustration, and ultimately um, our own self-undoing. On a physical material level, the 12th house includes things that take us away from everyday life. Um, institutions like hospitals, prisons, government offices, um, places of confinement, secrets, hidden enemies, and self-sacrifice for others. It also refers to sorrow, tribulations, widowhood, grief, um, murder, and endings. Um, for those who believe, the 12th house is also considered to refer to the collective unconscious of all humanity. I have no planets in this house either. <laughs> oh my goodness, guys. That was a really long episode, and I hope I didn't bore you all because I actually learned a lot about myself with this episode, and I hope you learned a little bit about how to read your own birth chart. Um, I will definitely be including links to all the resources I used for this episode, as well as the link for the site to figure out your own birth chart. On another note, before I leave, I just wanted to say thanks again for taking the time out of your day to listen to my podcast. Um, it really means a lot to me that so many of you listen. I mean, I know I don't have hundreds of listeners, but that's okay. Um, as long as you... Yeah, you, who you are, blah, 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 you, whoever you are, um, that's listening to this, gets something out of the things that I have to say. I'm happy and I'm doing my job. Until next time, everyone. Bye. Please consider supporting this podcast through Patreon at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron. Follow the show on social media and feel free to reach out with any questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions at roundofthecauldron at gmail.com. Show notes and links for each episode can be found at roundofthecauldron.com.